Good evening and welcome to the EFL Preview with me, Adam Davis, here on Three Valleys Radio. In the first week, where we see the return of European football in the film of the Champions League, Europa League and Conference League, we are of course focusing on a much more important tournament. Yes, that's right, the Papa John's Trophy is back. So, we've got plenty of fixtures covering uh, through midweek that include a full roundup of all 12, uh, 24 teams competing in the Championship this week, as well as a few games in League One and, of course, the fateful EFL Trophy. As always, you can expect the same level of insight, analysis and interviews that you come to expect every single week. So, as we usually do, we will start with the Championship, and we had an equal split of six games on the Tuesday the 19th of September, and six on Wednesday the 20th. So, we'll start with the, uh, with Tuesday, and we'll start with what many of the media will peddle as a local derby, apart from those that actually live in the West Country and realise it's anything but. Bristol City 4, Plymouth Argyle 1. Bristol City took advantage of a much-changed Plymouth Argyle side to record a thumping Championship win at Ashton Gate. Sam Bell stabbed home a short corner routine after just 150 seconds for City before Matty James fired a second into the roof of the net soon after following some good Robins build-up. Adam Randall struck low from the edge of the box to pull a back, uh, goal back for the Pilgrims against the run of play, but Mark Sykes punished some poor defending to restore the hosts two goal cushions shortly after. Former Glover Harry Cornick round off the win with a calm finish with 10 minutes left to inflict Argyle's biggest loss since they were thrashed 4-0 by Bolton in the Papa John's Trophy final at Wembley in early April. The win lifts the Robins up to 5th in the table, while newly promoted Argyle dropped to 16th as they continue to seek a first away win of the season. With that, we'll have our first interview of tonight, and it's a return of an EFL regular. So, let's listen to Bristol City boss Nigel Pearson. Nigel, a 4-1 win here at Ashton Gate. You must be really delighted. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the result's what we've been looking for. We needed to, to, to get our home league form moving in the right direction with a win. Uh, to win 4-1 is very satisfying. Uh, we could have scored more goals. We were a little bit loose at times uh, in terms of our... Um, allowing them to have chances when really it, it was uh, easier for us to uh, either move the ball quickly or, or or clear the ball but look all in all I don't want to be I don't want to dampen the mood it's it's a it's the type of result we've been trying to find and again it was a very uh, committed performance and I think we we showed tonight that the that the players who finished the game can can affect the game in, in the same way that the players at start. I think all the players who went on um, showed some quality, and and certainly up top we needed a, an injection of, of of energy because our players have been, you know, they've uh, already. It's you know we're still in September, but it's uh, you know, the, the 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 games program is is quite heavy, and I think the, the players have done really well. There was good performances all over the pitch, but was there a player or a particular part of the team's performance that pleased you the most? Well, uh, look, I'm just pleased that we were able to to um, press them in the way that we did. You know, we showed a lot of energy. So really, it's more about the the cohesion of the of the side in terms of when we are uh, putting teams under pressure. And um, there are always going to be individuals within a team within a team performance who may stand out for, for other people but I, I'm more interested in, in what the team does and, and I was very pleased with our yeah our application and the quality that we showed tonight because it was it was a performance which deserved three points and like I say we could have scored three or four more so two goals in the first eight minutes was a high intensity start key tonight well, it has been all season, and unfortunately for us at the weekend uh, against West Brom, uh, those early goals didn't come, even though we put them on, you know, put them under pressure very, very early, and that just shows you that the margins are very small. Uh, we could argue that we played better at the weekend in the first half, um, but drew the game. It, for me, it's just about. Every time that we play, trying to achieve uh, 
the intensity and, like I say, the cohesion as a team. That, for me, is the biggest thing. Four different goal scorers tonight, including Harry Cornick's first league goal of the season. How pleased are you for him? Yeah, I mean, look, he, <laughs> he, he had a chance at the weekend, which he was sort of beating himself up about, um, even though his first touch was, was really good. I thought he, he, he affected the game as soon as he went on. And uh, for him to get that goal, I think, is really good and it will give him more confidence. Look, whoever starts the game um, and, and whoever scores the goals, it, it really matters not. It's, it's about what the team can achieve and what the squad can achieve during the season. So, still early days, but we've had a reasonable start. And, um, uh, and tonight, to get a, a home win in the fashion that we did, I think will give the players and, and hopefully the fans more confidence. You mentioned the fans' confidence there. They really were brilliant tonight, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, yeah, we'll get them something to cheer about. So it's not, you know, at the weekend, yeah, good performance against a good side. But tonight we gave them goals and we gave them, I think, a, a strong finish in terms of still trying to create opportunities. So, um, yeah, pleased for them as well. Cardiff City 3, Coventry Two. Cardiff City's momentum continues to build under Errol Bullet as they condemned Coventry to their second defeat of the season. Second half goals from Carlin Grant and Keon Tete ensured back-to-back Cardiff wins for the first time since February. Coventry, who had drawn their last four, looked as though they might make it five when Matty Godden cancelled out Dimitros Gutas's early opener. But although not completely convincing, and despite a late second from Godden, it was a straightforward enough win for Bullet's side, who moved into the top half of the table for the first time this year. Last year's playoff finalist Coventry, who had not lost since their opening day defeat at Leicester, slipped further, having not never truly imposing themselves on the game, despite Godden's best efforts as he made it six goals in eight games. And while Cardiff, nor the Cardiff City Stadium atmosphere, carried some fervour, and frenzy as their South Wales derby win against Swansea at the weekend did, the result ensured that the feel-good factor continues into Sunday's trip to Sunderland. And all done without Aaron Ramsey, the Welsh captain, so influential and inspiring in the win over bitter rival Swansea three days earlier, was given the evening off after his exertions. It was the first time Cardiff had been without the 32-year-old in his championship campaign, although his absence was not keenly felt in terms of the contest, initially at any rate. Ollie Tanner, on a high form from his goal-scoring impact on Saturday night and brought back into the starting eleven, made dangerous early inroads. And Ramsey's replacement, skipper and former Glover Joe Rawls, had a hand in the opener. His eighth-minute corner was not particularly threatening, yet Sky Blue shirts had somehow ignored the lurking run from Gutas. His thumping header was a predictable outcome. The goal, the Greek international's first in British football. The control was Cardiff's, and so Bullet's frustration would have been justified when, after 35 minutes, a corner was not properly cleared. Gordon helped on Liam Kelly's ball past Jack Annick. Energised, Coventry hinted that they would put a poor opening behind them and asked questions of a Cardiff, Cardiff side who had already thrown away winning positions twice this year. Yet, with Tanner involved again, Cardiff rallied, responded and restored their lead just after the hour mark. A smart cross from Ryan Wintle saw Grant slip away with poor marking of substitute Toshiro Sakamoto stooping in to head past Ben Wilson. It was Grant's first goal in his summer loan move from West Brom, showing some signs that he is growing into a threat for Bullock's side. Mark Robbins, meanwhile, will only bemoan the second example of lax defending. Anik, fresh from signing a new deal earlier in the week, did have to scramble to save a Casey Palmer effort following some scruffy Cardiff play at the back. But the points seemed secured for the hosts when Perry and G lofted a pass into the run of substitute Atete, the former Tottenham man lashing home with six minutes of normal time remaining. Godden did rise highest to head past Anik in injury time, but a Cardiff comeback so late on never really looked likely. They will now wait to play a post-Neil Warnock Huddersfield on Monday to try and rediscover their form. Cardiff, though, with three home wins in a row for the first time since February 2022, are discovering something of an impetus under Bullet. Let's have another interview now, and we will hear from Cardiff City's uh, Matty Godden and manager Mark Robbins. To score two goals away from home again and not come away with anything is disappointing. I just feel disappointed tonight, and, and it was because we made too many rash decisions, poor decisions, on the ball, off the ball, spaces that we gave up, 
aren't usually the spaces we, we, we give up. Um, with Milan getting injured and, and Tatsu coming on, I could have gone and, and, and changed it and shored it up a little bit, but I wanted, to, I wanted to try and give us an impetus to go forward. It looked like we were getting that. And then we don't defend right, cross comes in, and we end up... I mean, Tatsu gets done on the inside from, from Grant and he scores the header, which is really disappointing. I mean, really, really disappointing, but that's Tatsu. He's, he's more of an attacking attack-minded player, but that's why Joel's on the inside. And, you know, they're a new group, and I'm not looking for excuses because there are none. You know, I'm looking for better than that. There's no doubt about it. We will get better than that over time, and this championship's relentless. You've got to take some of these on the chin for the time being, I'm afraid. It's, it, it's horrible to say. I don't like it. don't like losing games. I want to win every game. I want to give the supporters things to shout about positively. Um, they were great. They applauded the players off, those, those, those that stayed till the end. And, and let's face it, we could have got back into the game had we not committed... Harry Carey in, in the for the third goal. You know, we've not really come out, we're just waltzing out, ball gets lifted in behind and, and Atete scores across um across Ben. It just poor. Yeah, no, it's obviously disappointing. Um it doesn't matter that I've scored the two goals now, it's it, it means nothing, so um disappointing disappointing night and um we've got to dust ourselves down now and get ready for Monday. Was it a hard game to play? Because there was a lot of time where you weren't really getting the service. It was sort of like fizzling out in the middle of the park. Yeah, it just we probably could have sped it up a little bit and, and been a little bit braver. Um, but it's it's one of those nights. Um, and like I said, we need to dust ourselves down now and, and really go into Monday positive and, and looking to get the three points at home. Preston North End 2, Birmingham City... One, Championship leaders Preston came from behind to continue their unbeaten start to the league season with victory over Birmingham at Deepdale. Jay Stansfield struck 40 seconds after half-time to put the visitors ahead, yet Blues' lead did not last long as Christian Bielik headed into his own net from a corner six minutes later to level the scores. Militon Osmacic then scored his first goal since arriving from Spanish side Cadiz on time transfer deadline day to complete the turnaround, slotting the ball between the legs of goalkeeper John Ruddy. The win was Preston's sixth in a row and sees them remain at the top of the table, while Birmingham were consigned to their second consecutive defeat and slipped to seventh. Queen's Park Rangers won, Swansea City won. Lyndon Dykes' injury time equaliser for QPR condemned Swansea to their worst start for the league season for 32 years. Swans boss Michael Duff thought Josh Ginelli's early deflected goal was the stroke of luck his team so desperately needed after six games without a win. However, the host dominated the second half before substitute Dykes headed in Elias Chair's cross in the third minute of stoppage time to salvage a draw. Swansea finished with 10 men after striker Ollie Cooper was shown two yellow cards in the space of a minute in added time. The draw lifts QPR to 17th and offers under-fire boss Gareth Ainsworth some breathing space, despite claiming just five wins in 21 games in charge. There will be some encouragement from the way his side dominated the second half and deserved their point at the very least. Southampton nil, Ipswich Town won. Ipswich moved up to second in the championship and consigned Southampton to their third straight defeat as Amari Hutchinson's first half goal gave the Tractor Boys victory at St Mary's. The high-flying Suffolk side had already had a goal ruled out for a foul in the build-up before Hutchinson pounced on a Saints defensive error to put them ahead on the half-hour mark. Connor Chaplin hit the crossbar for the visitors shortly after and a Wes Burns effort went just wide close to half-time as Ipswich created all the chances. Ipswich remain unbeaten on the road this season and stay within a point of league leaders Preston, while Southampton drop to 11th in the table. Southampton's poor run of results through September continue following a chastening 5-0 defeat by Sunderland and 4-1 loss on Friday to Leicester. Ipswich, by contrast, have been thriving in the championship so far and claimed a sixth win in seven league games since being promoted from League One. Let's listen to Ipswich town boss Kieran McKenna. Kieran, another 1-0 win. Hard fought. What are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, really, really, really proud of the players. Top performance, um, exactly how it needed to be. It was never going to be anything incredible, you know, anything other than incredibly hard fought. Um, and we did all the things we needed to do to win a game like tonight against, you know, 
opposition with so many Premier League you know, level players. So, yeah, um, I thought it was a, a bit of a scrappy start, both teams, but we grew in belief in the game after the first 10 minutes or so, started to you know, feel that we could play on this pitch and play at this level. And, um, yeah, we grew into the game well, got the first goal. I thought we, we played really well from there through to the end of the first half and, and started the second half. Stayed brave with the ball, um, found the spare man from, from Vaz. We pressed high, we tried to be as aggressive as we could be and um, put ourselves in a great position in the game. Uh, of course, then again, when it stays at 1-0 and you don't manage to get the second goal and we weren't far away a couple of times, then the last 20 minutes is going to be really, really tough and they're bringing on yeah, fresh quality from the bench and so were we, to be fair, but for the, for the lads who did 90 minutes for us, who, you know, some of them playing on Tuesday or on Saturday away from home as well, um, we were out on our legs, so you know it was about organisation at that stage, but also really just about spirit and sticking together and digging in and um, fighting hard to, to hold on to what we earned early in the game. Probably similarities to the Sheffield Wednesday game in that sense, aren't there? So that must be really encouraging. It's not just once, you know, this is time and time again that the lads are showing what you're, what you're working towards. Yeah, I think so. It's a different type of opponent completely, of course, completely mm. different challenge tonight. But yeah, in terms of you know being brave and playing our football in whatever stadium, whatever type of opponent we go up against. That's something that we, we said that we wanted to stick to. And, um, yeah, fighting to win the games, not being happy with just playing well, but, you know, trying to keep the winning mentality as much as we can to actually do whatever we need to do to win the game. And, and if that means seeing it out at 1-0, then that means seeing it out at 1-0. Of course, we, we want to um, go at the second goal. We want to improve on being a little bit more clinical on the moments that we're getting to give ourselves a bit more margin but again knowing that we, we can see it out at 1-0 and, and get the rewards for what we, we earn in the games that's that's a positive Fantastic team performance but three full debutants in there um, Amari Hutchinson Brandon Williams and Jack Taylor and then of course Dane Scarlett coming on as well just a word on them Yeah massive we spoke um, you know over the international break and we spoke before this game about it was going to take the squad tonight it's going to take the squad all season but tonight was going to be a big night for that and uh, new players coming into the team um, all did really well all you know shows how they've, how they've settled in and how they've been adapting and training and you know of course Omari and uh, Jack have been playing games in a cup as well and for us you know we don't distinguish too much between a league game and a cup game but probably for the players yeah it's another extra little bit so big night for them of course then Dane coming on yeah. as well for you know 25 30 minutes whatever it was with the extra time and that and that pressure in that environment against those centre backs you know great for him and that helps integrate him into the group and um, yeah a night for the whole squad I have to say you know I think probably Dominic Ball deserves a mention as well because he's been training outstandingly, um, an exemplary professional in person mm. and waiting for his opportunities like many of the other lads are. And, um, you know, he comes on for 20 minutes against Suleimana, who we know is his quality and his, his value. And yeah. he comes on and um, delivers an excellent performance to, to help the team and the club get a big win. So, yeah, a great night for the squad. New players coming in, debutants and... Um, also those who haven't played as much so, so far in the league, playing a, a big, big part and a big win. Thank you, Karen. And now for the battle at the battle at the bottom, of which nobody wanted to lose. Sheffield Wednesday won, Middlesbrough won. Sheffield Wednesday and Middlesbrough remain rooted to the Championship relegation zone after sharing the spoils at Hillsborough. After an early stoppage time, uh, an early stoppage, sorry, due to home fans throwing tennis balls on the pitch in protest at their ownership, Wednesday took the lead when Anthony Masaba fired in from seven yards. Dara Lenahan levelled shortly after half-time, turning home a corner, and from there the visitors began to take control. Burroughs Mac Crooks had a goal disallowed for offside, as the visitors had the better of the second period, although George Byers missed a good chance late for Wednesday. Both sides have just two points apiece after seven games, with Wednesday above Bottomside Borough by virtue of the Owls' superior goal difference. On to the games that took place on Wednesday now. Blackburn Rovers 1, Sunderland 3. Jack Clark scored twice to ensure an impressive 3-1 victory for Sunderland that handed former Blackburn boss Tony Mowbray a welcome return to Ewood Park. The Black Cats claim the win against the Blackburn side who opened the game with purpose. Yet Rovers were made to pay after conceding a 27th minute penalty, with Clark converting from the spot after being fouled by former Glover, Ryan Hedges. Harry and Ernest equalised within a few minutes, before Daniel Neal restored the visitors' advantage right on half-time. 
Clark grabbed a third for Mowbray's side to end Blackburn's 15-year unbeaten run against Sunderland at Ewood Park. Blackburn were the stronger side early on with triple chance, uh, a triple chance failing to their, falling their way on 10 minutes. Sammy Schmodix's snapshot was saved by Anthony Patterson. The rebound fell to Leonard only for his attempt to be blocked, with the final effort falling to Andrew Moran, whose shot was also failed to make its way through. The host went close again just two minutes later when Lewis Travis sent it across from Leonard. Patterson again was quick to react, with Schmodix planting the rebound over. Yet it was the visitors who opened the scoring against the run of play. Hedges brought down Clark in the 27th minute, with the Sunderland man converting calmly to result in penalty, stroking his pocket straight down the middle. Blackburn did not have to wait long to restore parity. Callum Britton collected a loose 35th minute ball from the defensive header and whipped across to the far post where Leonard was waiting to finish off the move. Still, Sunderland regained their lead just before the break, when Blackburn failed to clear a corner, allowing Neil to rifle home a shot from the left side of the box, straight into the bottom right corner. The Black Cats might have scored again soon after, but Mason Burstow's right-footed shot from the left-hand side of the box was saved by Ainsley Pears. At the other end, Blackburn came close to equalising on 70 minutes, Hayden Carter played the ball to Dylan McCandy, who switched the ball onto his left foot only to see his shot strike the outside of the far post. Rovers' hopes were to end in the 78th minute when Clark made a weaving run into the home team's box before dispatching a fine shot from Alex Pritchard's pass to ensure the victory for the visitors. And given this game has quite a lot riding on it for a certain man, we'll listen to him now, Sunderland boss Tony Mowbray. Tony, three wins in a row now and a terrific performance tonight. What was your take on the game? Oh, well, I'm not sure the first half was a terrific performance. I think, um, you know, we rode our luck. They're a very good team. Um, you know, I think they're the best team we've played so far this season in terms of the way they play, their plan. They flood midfield, they get it through your lines. They um, probably just lacked a little bit of cutting edge. Um, you know, frustrating to lose the goal, though. Uh, Danny Ballard was off the pitch, I think, when they scored. But... Um, Listen, we always looked. We always carried a threat. Even first half, I thought we carried a threat. We scored two goals. We could have scored some more. But um, I, you know, I think I should put on record. I think they're an outstanding team. Really, really well coached football team. And to come here and win three-one is a, is a great result for the club. Obviously, plenty of good performances all over the pitch. But I guess Jack Clark will grab the headlines for his two goals this evening. A man in form at the moment. Yeah, listen, I, I went a bit hoarse screaming at him for half an hour. You know, he was he was doing everything I didn't want him to do for half an hour, and so he wasn't he wasn't my favourite player. He, in my mind, I was thinking of maybe if he doesn't book his ideas up, he might be coming off. But um, listen, he's a, he's an outstanding footballer. He's, you know, amazing again tonight. Um, he's a maverick, really. I think you know. If, you know, is that fair enough to say? Because he, but he does work hard. He, I just want him to understand how we need to play in certain games. We're not just going to be the best team every game and dominate the ball and work it out to him and he can skip past somebody and we score. He had to work really hard because they were hurting us with the ball that first half an hour. They were really good and um, we needed 11 bodies grafting and working and chasing, not 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 10 and Jack stood out here on the, on the left wing. It's um, So yeah, listen, I, I thought it was amazing second half. Um, a real threat that's why you know I thought we could have scored more goals because we work the ball we win it we nick it out we he ball carries it 50 60 yards up the pitch for us and we're in the box and um, he's got amazing qualities and attributes of a brilliant athlete and uh, and he's scoring goals adding to the goals that he scored to last season this season as well and um, you know let's keep him fit keep him hungry keep him going as we've already touched on that's three wins in a row now does it feel as though things are just clicking at this moment in time and in, in falling place for you and the team Listen, I think we've stretched a little bit. I think we've injuries are really sort of difficult to deal with at the moment, and yet it's the depth of the squad. And um, the, the ideal plan would be to, to drop some of the new signings into the team a bit by bit and get them used to how we play. I do think it's difficult, you know, for like some Mason, we're trying to get him to come and link and play and be a footballer rather than a centre forward who stands down the middle. Um, and his goals will come because he's working very hard for the team and. Um, I'm very happy with what he's doing at the moment. I just he needs, he'll need a goal over the next few weeks, and um, delighted for Abdullah out here in front of me. Here second half, winning winning headers, but working hard, tackling back, as as well as again being a goal threat really. And um, yeah, 
Listen, the team are functioning all right. I've just said how difficult it is to win three in the, in, on the bounce in the championship. It's really, really difficult. I've just challenged them there about can we do four on the bounce on Sunday. And um, our biggest, the biggest danger for that game will be ourselves, really. We have to turn up and make sure we are right at it as if we're playing the top, top team at Cardiff. I think I've won back-to-back games now as well. and um, So they'll be on a high. and. Um, it should be a great game, but a great opportunity for us to keep racking up the points. Yeah, that quick turnaround on Sunday does show the relentlessness of this division, and I guess the lads are going to have to rest and recover ahead of another big game. Yeah, I think the schedule's really, really tough at the moment. That's why I mentioned the injuries that they are. We need to get a few back. We're not far away, but um, because we've got, I think, is it next week? We've got. Uh, I know we've got a turnaround of a of a Wednesday night and then a Saturday morning against Middlesbrough. So is it Watford on a, on, a, on a Wednesday night? And then it doesn't feel as if there's enough time. If you picture the lads who are going to graft their socks off on a Wednesday night, get home and in their beds after midnight, um, have to come in for training the next day, have one day's prep to play Middlesbrough on 12.30 on the, on the Saturday morning is a real big ask for us. But um, that's why we're going to have to try and utilise the squad, rotate around a little bit, try and give them all an opportunity but um, not at the expense of giving up points if we can help it Just finally those fans are walking away with a pretty big smile on the face this evening fair to say you and the lads are too Yeah listen we're delighted because they're a, such a good team and, and a really difficult team to beat and um, and we managed to do that and, and the supporters are amazing I, I, I feel I've said in the past that, you know, I don't go on the pitch and pump my chest and, and, and all that but a, a massive appreciation for what they bring to this football club and when there's so many fans in a midweek game so far away from home here supporting the team it's amazing for the team these young lads they know what they're playing part of you know the history of this club and um, and the size of this club and, and, and it's reflected in the numbers that travel and support it and so it's easy for me to demand really really high standards and work ethics off them because they see the people who paid hard money and their time and energy to come and support them as well Hull City nil, United nil. Inform Hull City and Ten Man Leeds both had to settle for a point at a sold out NKM Stadium. Keeper Ryan Allsop made three crucial saves in the first half on his debut for the Tigers. First foiling Jorginho Rutter from a one on one and then keeping out two efforts from Crescencio Somerville. Dan James and Somerville had efforts blocked early in the second half before lead centre back Joe Roden was sent off on the hour mark for a second bookable offence. A drama Traore should have won it for Hull with a minute left, but his shot clattered the right hands upright after Connolly got in behind the away defence and squared the ball for the midfielder. Hull remains sixth in the table after extending their unbeaten run to six games, while Daniel Fark's leads are now five without defeat and are two points off the playoffs in ninth. Millwall 3, Rotherham United 0. Millwall registered their first win in three championship games as they deservedly beat Rotherham at the Den. Ryan Longman fired the hosts in front midway through the first half with a powerful right-footed shot from just outside the box. Former Millwall winger Fred Onyedinmo was denied an equaliser by the offside flag before Zion Fleming's low effort doubled the lead for Gary Rowett's side two minutes before the hour mark. Andre Green almost pulled one back straight away for the Millers, forcing Bartosz Bielikowski into a save. But Tom Bradshaw fired into the roof of the net making 3-0 to the home side in injury time. Millwall move up to 11th in the table, two points off the playoffs, while Rotherham, who have won just once this season, remain in 21st place. Watford 2, West Brom Albion 2. Watford and West Brom shared the points at Vicarage Road, as Valerian Ishmael's Hornets were held to a draw by his old club. All four goals came inside the first 23 minutes, sparked by Tom Ince opening his Watford account in only the third minute. Albion responded in a rain-lashed Hertfordshire by scoring twice in 30 minutes. John Swift's 14th-minute right-footed free kick went straight through the Watford wall for his fourth of the season, before Jed Wallace's near-post flipped finish from Darnell Forlong, and those right-wing cross gave Albion the lead. But another three minutes later, it was back to parity when Ince forced a fed Machias Martins, who broke through transferring the ball to the right foot, to curl a fine finish just inside the post with his third goal the season. It is only 19 months since former Baggies boss Ishmael lost his job at the Hawthorns and it looked like revenge could be sweet and his Hornets stunned Albion with a dramatic start, but I think he'll still be pretty pleased with the point. Norwich City 2, 
Hope and Clark Island. Norwich City nil, Leicester City 2. Leicester City secured an impressive win over fellow high flyer Norwich at Carrow Road to maintain the Foxes' strong start of the season. Kalechi Iheanacho scored the visitors' opening goal from the penalty spot before Casey McAteer secured the victory with Leicester's second near the end. The victory elevated Leicester to second in the championship table on 18 points, with Norwich slipping to fifth. Enzo Maresca made five changes to his lineup, but there were few signs of his Foxes team struggling for cohesion against a Norwich side who were aiming to maintain a 100% home record. Early on, it looked like Norwich might gain the ascendancy when Mads Hermansen was called into action to deny Jack Stacey. But that was as good as it got for the hosts. Leicester grew in confidence as the first half wore on. The best chance fell for Ian Acho, whose 31st-minute left-footed shot from outside the box was blocked. Norwich were left to be the architects of their own downfall when they lost possession just before the break. Harry Winks collected the ball, releasing Steffi Mavidi, who drew the foul from Christian Fasnacht. Iheanacho converted his spot kick into the high centre of the goal to put Leicester ahead. Norwich could have found themselves in further trouble before half-time when Mavidi once again exposed Lethargy within the host's defence, but his right-footed effort went wide. At the other end, Kenny McLean was to go closest for the host in the 76th minute when his left-footed shot clipped the top of the crossbar. It was the merest of opportunities for the Canaries' side who was second-best for most of the evening. The Foxes sealed all three points in the final throws, courtesy of McAteer, who converted Kieran Dewsbury Hall's assist with his right-footed shot. Another interview for you now, but this time it'll be from a player, and none other than that, a former Glover. That in the form of Norwich City centre-back Shane Duffy. How are the lads feeling after that one? Yeah, disappointed, obviously. Um, tight game, I think, and um, I think individual moments came down there, and... Probably um, beat by the better team on the night. Yeah, how did Leicester City compare to other opposition you faced so far this season? As I said, just think individual moments. I think they capitalised on us and they switch off against good players. Probably um, shouldn't be in this league, but are. But uh, that's 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 what this league gives you this year. So uh, I thought for moments we were in it. We we done well with our game plan, and as I said, little lapses and they punished us. Yeah, the belief never seemed to waver, so that must give you confidence going toe-to-toe with what will inevitably be one of the league's strongest teams. Yeah, obviously, I thought we, I thought we had more, second half, I thought we changed a few things and, and we had a right go at it and our chances just didn't go in and, and they went up and, and killed the game off with 2-0, but I think the beliefs there, I thought before the game, I thought we had a real chance of going head-to-head with them and got the crowd behind us and going after it and then obviously the timing of the penalty was, was disappointing so killed us a bit but we regrouped half time, came back out and um and went for it. Obviously said they killed us on the counter attack then with the second but I don't think there was much in it, just two two moments. And can you use this feeling of, you know, slight disappointment to motivation for the next game? That's what we said after, listen, three points on Saturday now, the same three points as these tonight. So um gotta regroup in and go another tough place to go is Plymouth. So uh, we've sort of forgotten about it. Well, listen, we're disappointed. We've forgotten about it. But forty-eight hours Saturday, we're 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 at it again and and excited. They they go put it right. That's that's the beauty of this league. Another game in three days. We you can fix it and um, good travel and support and uh, three points hopefully. And the final game in the championship. Could it really only be one other team? Huddersfield Town two. Stoke City 2. Neil Warnock had to settle for a point in his final game as Huddersfield Town boss as the Terriers were held at home by Stoke. But despite having taken an early lead, Huddersfield had to come from behind to do so. Warnock's latest departure from a managerial post has been announced on Monday and Huddersfield's American owner Kevin Nagel revealed on social media before kickoff that the appointment of his replacement was imminent. Since then we have found that he's in fact former Sheffield Wednesday boss Darren Moore. Warnock, who first managed Huddersfield in their third tier 30 years ago when he led them to promotion, leaves with the Terriers 16th in the championship, although his real work was done last season when he saved the club from relegation back to League One. It looked like it would be a really special farewell when Matty Pearson headed home a Sorba Thomas free kick on 31 minutes. But just two minutes later, the Potters were level when Daniel Johnson lashed in after Tyrese Campbell's shot had been saved.
Stoke had not previously scored an away league goal this season in three attempts at Ipswich, Millwall and Norwich. Just past the hour, however, they had found a second when deadline day loan signing Sayed Haksahamovic crossed for defender Ben Wilmot to head home. But just six minutes later, the Terriers were level when Stoke failed to clear their lines from Ben Jackson's corner and Jack Radoni swivelled six yards out with a low left-footed shot which found the back of the net. So, one last interview and it could be his last ever. I know I said that in the previous show, but we know for certain it's going to be the last for a little while. Let's listen to Huddersfield Town boss. Neil Warnock. Gaffer, if we talk about the, the game first, it was end-to-end, it was exciting, it was everything you'd want from a, a final game in charge of a club. It was, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's, been, a, it's been a privilege to manage here again. Uh, I know it's six months, but it seems, you know, it's been hard work for me, a really hard work, but to see the players give everything like that and the fans get behind us and give me that applause, it, it just means everything to me. And, then, uh, you know, I'll take that with me and uh, I know I'll always be welcome here. But it's, uh, it's, it's good to give them the results because, you know, things were a bit gloomy when I come. And, you know, we've had a laugh. We've had a laugh along the way and I hope the fans have and enjoyed it. And uh, it was good to get the send-off. And Ronnie deserved that as well tonight. Ronnie, he's, he's been brilliant for me. So, good, you know, thank you for the fans for that as well. You spoke really nicely in your, your programme notes about Ronnie. You, you mentioned him and, and said, you know, the fans call him a legend, but he's a legend in your eyes as well. Absolutely, yeah. You don't, I mean, he, people don't see what he does behind the scenes. He looks after me, really. You know, when he's 75, four, five next, aren't I? Um, you know, you need a bit of looking after. <coughs> but um, he knows what I'm good at, and I know what he's good at, and we just make a good pair, really. And, um, you know, we don't know what's around the corner, but uh, I said to him, I'll never say never, so we'll just, we'll just see what crops up. You were very focused on the players after the game when you spoke to them in the, the dressing room. You mentioned how much you've enjoyed working with them and the fact that it's rare that you'll be leaving a club but wishing them to do the best possible. It is, yeah, because I usually want them to lose every game when I leave. But I don't hear. I, I think here I'd like them to get in the play. They're such a good group of players. Uh, and I think they're good enough to get in the playoffs, me. So I think with a, you know, a little bit of luck and, and injuries free, you know, we, we, lost, we missed Hoggy and Wardy tonight. Um, but, you know, the lads have done well, they've carried on, and, and, and now it's up to them, to the new manager, to take it on board. There's one or two younger ones in there who've, you know, really sprung on and kicked on Jack Rodoni, who scored the equaliser tonight, couldn't score, <laughs> you know, last season. I know. It must be nice for you to see players like that, even in six short months, grow and, and become a little bit extra. I think so. I mean, you know, I look at people like Josh Caroma and, and, and Jack and, and Ruffles and people that really were probably written off when I turned up, but they've, they've really listened to me and I think they've enjoyed the training and they've enjoyed what I've gi got given them and that confidence and they look different players. I thought, you know, Jack, not just tonight, but I think he's, he's been outstanding this season and, and I think Ben will. Ben's not quite fit enough yet, but you can see what he can do, Ben, and he'll enjoy it. So he'll be a great favourite. So if I've done anything, I've brought a good midfield player to the club. Um, the last time I'll refer to your, your programme notes and the last thing I'll ask you is you, you said you didn't get a, a proper chance to, to say goodbye in 95 and even in the summer, you, you, you know, it didn't feel like a proper... No, it didn't, no. no. Um, tonight, it was, it was special tonight. I mean, they could quite easily have gone home early, couldn't they, tonight, you know, a game like that. But to stay to the end, I'm glad Sharon was here as well tonight. Uh, I said to her, you know, you ought to be there, darling. It's your fault I'm here. <laughs> and, uh, and, it, and she was there tonight. So I'm sure she'll have been proud of the, of the send-off that I've had. Uh, Gaffer, I'm, I'm for personally and on behalf of everyone, I think, thank you very much for the past six months and, and good luck for whatever the future No has. problem. Let me tell you this now. Take hold of my microphone. This is how much I love Huddersfield Town. Let's just take a quick look at the championship table going into the weekend's fixtures. All teams have now played seven matches and top of the table with 19 points out of a possible 21 sit Preston North End. Second place on 18 points sit Leicester City. Ipswich just behind them on goal difference also on 18 points. Some distance actually to fourth place now with 13 points for Sunderland and fifth placed Norwich. Hull take up the final playoff spot with 12 points from 12 games, 12 games from 7 games, level on points with Bristol City. At the wrong end of the table, well, we've still got the same three that we had at the beginning, but there are really now four teams that look dangerously difficult and really could do with a bit of good fortune. Bottom of the table with a minus nine goal difference and two points from seven games sit Middlesbrough. Sheffield Wednesday also on two points, but with a goal difference of minus six. Swansea with three points and still desperately looking for their first win under Michael Duff. And it's also looking pretty bleak for Rotherham United, who sit one point above Swansea in 21st with four points and just outside of the relegation zone. 
At A.J. Wakeley and Sons Family Funeral Directors, we know the importance of compassion and integrity. We also know how unfamiliar decisions can be so difficult at a time of family bereavement. We can provide a steadying influence just when you need it, guiding and helping you make the right decisions to reflect the kind of funeral that your loved one deserves. Visit our website, www.ajwakely.com, for more information or call Clive Wakely on 01935-479913. We'll quickly cover three games that took place in League One this week, and we'll start with Barnsley 2, Portsmouth 3. A blistering start helped Portsmouth secure a 3-2 win over Barnsley at Oakwell that sent them top of League One. Colby Bishop, Paddy Lane and Conor Gilvey gave the Blues a dream start before second-half strikes from Barry Cotter and Callum Styles led to a tense finish. Gavin White had already seen a first-minute effort deflected wide and Bishop had headed over the bar before Pompey were awarded an eighth-minute penalty. Lane beat two players before feeding the ball to the Northern Ireland winger, White, on the right and Bishop's attempt to convert his low centre saw him fouled by Barnsley keeper Liam Roberts. Bishop converted the spot kick and 30 seconds later the visitors doubled their lead when the former Accrington striker flicked on, found Lane and he calmly finished. Agilvy added the third when he headed home Joe Morell's cross from the right after 16 minutes. Having failed to mount an attack of note before the break, Barnsley pulled one back just four minutes after the restart when, when half-time substitute Sam Cosgrove found Cotter who drilled a low finish past Will Norris. The host scored again with 13 minutes left when Norris fumbled Callum Styles' header and the ball trickled over the line but despite a spell of late pressure they could not find an equaliser. Peterborough United 3, Cheltenham Town nil. Windless Cheltenham continued their torrid start to the season as they were beaten by Peterborough and equalled the EFL record for the longest run without scoring a goal at the start of the campaign. The Robins had two players sent off at either end of the match, with Harrison Burrows, Johnson Clark Harris and Peter Chiozzo all scoring for Peterborough. Cheltenham, who have picked up just one point this season after eight games, fell to bottom of League One and failed to find the back of the net once again. A disappointing fact that so much so Wade Elliott has now been dismissed as his boss of Cheltenham. Port Vale 2, Burton Albion 3. Burton beat Port Vale 3-2 to secure their first win of the season and prevent their opponents from moving to the summit of League One. Watford Loney Quadu Bar scored what proved to be a decisive goal as the Brewers ended their wait for three points in their eighth league game of the campaign. Burton took a surprise lead in the 11th minute when an unmarked Beryl Lubalala headed home at the back post from Tom Hayner's cross to score his first goal for the club. Lubalala nodded over a good chance eight minutes later, but barring it was all veiled through to half-time. Ben Garrity threatened on a couple of occasions, and James Wilson's drilled shot struck a post just before the half-hour mark. The home side's pressure finally told in the 40th minute, as Garrity headed in off the post from Connor Grant's delivery. Having hung on to go in level at the break, Burton found themselves in front again six minutes after the restart, as Steve Seddon poked the ball in from close range from Hamer's nod down. It got even better just after the hour mark, with Barr making his full debut, rifling a shot past Connor Ripley, having broken free down the right. Ollie Arblaster smashed the ball home into the net in the 86th minute to half the deficit, but Burton held on for a much-needed win. So, we'll quickly take a look at the League One table off the back of those three matches. As you can probably imagine, there's quite a few teams that have got have played eight games now, and some that have only played seven. But, top of the table, with 16 points from eight games, we have a new leader in the form of Portsmouth. They are only top of the table on goal difference, however, as Exeter and Port Vale also have 16 points. On 15 points, and taking up 4th and 5th place, Oxford United and Stevenage. Barnsley, despite losing to Portsmouth, still remain in the playoffs with 13 points. The wrong end of the table, Fleetwood and Cheltenham sitting at bottom with one point apiece. Burton and Reading also on five points, alongside previously deducted Wigan. So we go on to the time or the uh, the competition we've all been waiting for, and that, of course, is the Papa John's Trophy. And we've had plenty of matches that took place this weekend, and uh, well, this week, sorry, and 
some of them more interesting than others, shall we say. So we'll just fire through some of the scores of some matches that aren't quite as interesting. Morecambe lost 3-0 to Liverpool's under-21 side. Sutton United and Aston Villa was 2-all, with Aston Villa taking the two points by winning 5-4 on penalties. Yes, remember, in the group stages of the Papa John's Trophy, we don't do draws. You simply go straight to a penalty shootout in the event of, in the event of a draw after 90 minutes. And if you win the penalty shootout, you get two points. And if you lose, you get one. Wickham Wanderers won, Crystal Palace under 21s nil. Colchester United lost 5 nil to Tottenham Hotspur under 21s. Leighton Orient and uh, Fulham's under 21 side was 2 all each, with Leighton Orient winning 5 4 on penalties. McDonald's beat Oxford United 1 nil. Bristol Rovers lost 3 1 to West Ham's under 21 side. Derby County beating Lincoln City 2 nil. Doncaster Rovers beating Everton under 21s 2 nil as well. Shrewsbury and Brighton and Hove Albion was also under uh, under 21s, was nil-nil, with Shrewsbury winning 4-1 on penalties. Now, the two extremely big games. We will start with Wigan Athletic 7, Leicester City under 21s 1. A rather shocking result if you look at it, especially when the fact that you see that Leicester City in fact took the lead. Arjun Reiki getting a goal on the 30th minute for Leicester to go 1-0 up. However, that was relatively immediately cancelled out from a Josh McGuinness penalty in the 34th minute. And then, really, the floodgates opened in the second half. Josh McGuinness getting a second on the 46th minute. Callum Lang following it with a 57th minute uh, to make it 3-1. A Brad Young uh, own goal for, uh, to make it 4-1. Um, Harry McHugh uh, getting a fifth for Wigan. Uh, I can't pronounce his surname. Chris Zizé, S-Z-E, so I think that might be pronounced Zizé, got a sixth in the 85th minute. And then Josh Stones getting a seventh in the 95th minute uh, to make it 7-1. A really quite impressive result for Wigan there. But the final game, and without question the one that caused, let's say, the most eyebrows to be raised. Exeter City nil. Reading, 9. Tom McIntyre getting a third uh, first goal right off the back in the third minute against what could be best described as a relatively youthful Exeter City side. That being said, there were still plenty of first-team players in there as well. Um, Cedric, um, Cedric Scott, or James Scott, sorry, not Cedric Scott. Um, Mark Woods, uh, Zach Jules, uh, Caleb Watts, of course, who got the winner last weekend. So plenty of players that were... Uh, and Carl Taylor, sorry, as another one. You'd all class as relatively first-team players, but this was nicely um, scattered with Joe O'Connor as a youth player, Jack Fitzwater, um, got, uh, Carlos Borges, Pedro Borges, sorry, and all those uh, other ones that we see in the Exeter City lineup against what was a fairly strong, albeit not, um, you wouldn't say, completely full-strength Reading side. Still had things like Conaya Boyce-Clark, Harley Dean, Tom McIntyre, uh, Chris Wareham, uh, to, to name but a few of the relatively stronger players that uh, Reading played, and had plenty of um, more notable players to have on the bench, notably someone like Don Ballard and Harvey Nibs. So, how did the game transpire? Well, I've already mentioned one of them, Tom McIntyre getting the first goal in th after only three minutes. Zach Jules, unfortunately, causing an own goal for Exeter to make it 2-0 after 32 minutes. And then, very much like the Wigan game, the floodgates opened. Uh, two goals in very quick succession by Paul Mukairu uh, in the 56th and 60th minute to make it 3-4-0. and four nil. As we've mentioned, Don Ballard getting his fifth, uh, getting the fifth on 67 minutes. Ben Elliott getting a sixth on the 79th minute. And then in the space of 10 minutes, Exeter proceeded to concede three more. Tom Harris, or Taylor Harris, sorry, getting the 85th minutes um, to make it 7-0. Uh, yeah, Caelan Vickers getting the eighth on the stroke of the uh, the stroke of normal time, and in the ninety sixth minute, Don Ballard getting a second to make it nine nil in what was perfectly summed up by Exeter City social media posts that simply read ninety plus five nine can't be asked. So always entertaining with the EFL Trophy there, and I'm sure we won't get quite as many high scoring games again, but it was always very very interesting to see how those sort of things transpired. Now, normally we don't do too many interviews based on the EFL trophy, but I feel like it would be a massive disservice to Reading if we didn't interview boss Ruben Sellers. Ruben, that's our biggest win for 122 years. Uh, it's a bit of an understatement, but you must be delighted. Well, I didn't know. 
it's not too much, not important for me. The important uh, is that uh, my team show the identity, show the things that we want to do. Doesn't matter who is the opponent, and we carry for 98 minutes uh, in the way that we do things. Uh, we always try to be respectful with every opponent, but the respect comes from giving our 100% every time, and that's what we did today. A lot of changes tonight. That must speak volumes for the amount of youngsters that are ready and willing to set, step up at this level. Uh, yeah, you know, I don't make, a, I don't uh, think that the youngsters or older players, or I just think that they had a lot of players working really hard during the week, during the week, and they deserve to be here to play in the lineup for me today for the club. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's about them and how much how how hard they work really, and it's a pleasure to see them performing like today. One player who didn't start was Taylor Harris, but he scored a goal on his debut. What have you made of him so far? Ah, Taylor has been with us uh, also in the Carabao Cup one time. He's training regularly with us. He's starting to understand the concepts that we want, and uh, we want to give him something today. It was uh, the proper moment to bring him in, and then he showed a little bit of the quality that he has. So now it's uh, for him to carry on, work hard, and uh, try to make more appearances for us. Paul got two as well. He's a player you know very well. You must be quite proud of him. Yeah, for Paul it's important to start to get feelings back after uh, some months uh, without uh, a lot of competition. It was uh, good uh, for him to start today in the piece that he got injured some weeks ago also. He showed personality, character, he got uh, his goals. Then now he needs to continue working. And two goals and two assists in 17 touches for Don Ballard. It couldn't have gone much better for him. Yeah, it's again another player that uh, recently joined us and then he uh, has a lot to offer, but uh, yeah, he needs to continue showing that. And Blackpool next, can you enjoy tonight or does the hard work ahead of the weekend start immediately? Yeah, I think we will enjoy the next couple of hours and then <laughs> the bus, the coach. And then tomorrow immediately we need to go with Blackpool and the ways that we will have to approach that game and how we can go there, perform and get the three points. Whilst I appreciate boss Ruben Sellers was being relatively kind to Exeter there and going that he didn't really matter what the result was, it's still really impressive to have recorded <laughs> Reading's biggest results for 122 years. Not too bad at all, given all the problems, of course, going off off the field. So we just have enough time to take a look at the uh, outgoing or the upcoming fixtures for this weekend in the Championship League 1 and League 2. So we will start with the Championship games and it starts on Friday night when Birmingham City take on Queen's Park Rangers at an 8 o'clock kickoff Friday night. Going into the Saturday then we have eight games. We've got Ipswich Town versus Blackburn Rovers at 3 o'clock. Leeds United taking on Watford. Leicester City will entertain Bristol City. Middlesbrough will go, uh, well, Southampton will travel one of their furthest trips of the season as they go to Middlesbrough. Plymouth Argyle taking on Norwich. Rotherham United taking on High Flyers Preston North End. Swansea uh, have got Sheffield Wednesday. I'll be honest, if Michael Duff doesn't pick up a win there, real questions will be asked for his managerial uh, tenure over in South Wales. And finally, West Bromwich Albion will take on Millwall. On the Sunday, two games, one at 12 o'clock kickoff, Stoke City versus Hull, and three o'clock, Sunderland taking on Cardiff. And one final game on Monday the 25th, and it will be Darren Moore's first game in charge as Coventry taking on Huddersfield Town. Taking a look at League One then, we'll have a quick look at these. All 12 taking place on Saturday the 23rd, and all at three o'clock, just as the football traditionalist would like it. Blackpool taking on Reading. Bolton Wanderers have got Peterborough United. Bristol Rovers taking on Wigan. Burton Albion have uh, Lee Johnson's Fleetwood Town. Cambridge United taking on Port Vale. Carlisle have got Derby County. Charlton Athletic versus Wigan Wanderers. Cheltenham Town, who are still looking, of course, for their first goal and will be doing it without a manager, will take on relatively impressive Stevenage. Leighton Orient have got Shrewsbury. Northampton versus Barnsley. Oxford United versus Exeter, and finally Portsmouth versus Lincoln City. Now we will have a little preview interview now, and it will be with the current table toppers manager and currently on a really impressive unbeaten strike in the form of John Massinho. He was relatively um, an underwhelming pick, should we say, for many Portsmouth fans when he was appointed uh, at the end of last season, but has obviously generated a really good feel-good factor over on the south coast.
So we will listen to him now and see how he plans on taking on a relatively difficult Lincoln City side. Well, John, how's everything after Tuesday? Presumably the, the spirits are quite high amongst the group. Yeah, yeah, spirits very high, I think, and, and on the way back down, it was certainly an enjoyable trip, much more enjoyable than last season. And yeah, I think it was uh, a mixture, I suppose, of real, really tired bodies, but um, uh, minds that were, were buzzing away and, and really, really happy to achieve what they'd achieved over the weekend. So, um, yeah, there's, there's, I think, um, been enough time now to, to reflect on that and, and to take all the positives from it. And we've had to dust ourselves off and go again today because we've got to prepare for the Lincoln game at the weekend. What elements of Tuesday's performance need to be taken into the Lincoln game? I mean, if we can take the first half into the Lincoln game, that would be that would be great. Uh, you know, there were there were some real positives in the second half as well, particularly the the grit and determination to to dig in. Uh, 77 minutes, I think Barnsley scored their second, and, and from that point onwards, I, I thought despite Barnsley having a lot of possession, we we largely looked comfortable. Uh, at that point, we we dug in, we showed really good mentality, um, and off the back of that, if we can then play some of the football we played in the first half and, and be as much or if if not more as big a goal threat, then um, yeah, I think we'll uh, really give ourselves a chance at the weekend. Lincoln have started the season well. What are you expecting from them? I'm expecting a side uh, that's tough to play against. I think they've lost one game in the league this year. That was the the 3-0 defeat on the first the opening day of the season against Bolton, where I think Bolton blew them away in the first half. So since then they've been they've been excellent. They've been very very tough to break down. Um, you know, really, really solid, resolute, and they've got some excellent players that can hurt you on on the counter and on the other side of the game as well. So, yeah, we have to be, I think, at the top of our game to, to be able to compete at the weekend. They're you know very, very well coached. They've got some, like I said, some really good players there, and yeah, and you know, deservedly so. I think since the opening day of the season, they haven't lost. How's everything looking in terms of squad selection? Yeah, there's, uh, you know, we've got quite a bit going on at the moment. Conor Ogilvy picked up a bit of a groin strain on, on Tuesday and obviously came off. He's, he's touch and go for the weekend. Uh, he, he didn't train today, but uh, we're going to get him out on the grass tomorrow and, and see how he is. Uh, very, very similar with Christian Sadie at the moment. We're just building him up from sort of 50, 60, 70 uh, percent, making sure he's, he's full tilt before he's ready to go. But he's, he's certainly a matter of... Um, it's day to day with with Christian. Um, Sean Raggett's is back. He the couple of extra days really helped him in terms of his his foot recovering and um, and and making sure that he was back and, and ready to go. So uh, on yeah the short term injury front we're we're looking um, pretty good. Certainly I think better than we were Tuesday night. And on the long term front, how are Cassini and Tom Lowry doing as well? Cassini's been back out on the grass and looking very very fit and, and athletic probably two or three weeks away from being back in full training and then we'll have to get him fully fit off the back of that. Uh, Tom Lowry not quite there yet, so Tom's probably still got uh, a bit of time to go till he's back out on the grass, but he's moving well. Uh, he's doing his, his rehab you know, brilliantly and uh, yeah, we, we're looking forward to having him back in the fold. Now, there were 654 Pompey fans on Tuesday. There's going to be almost 18,000 here on Saturday. What do you ask for from them? I, I don't need to, to ask for, for anything because I know what they'll provide. They'll, they'll be very, um, I, I think, excited about the game as, as much as we are. And, um, you know, they're, they're, they've, they've come off the back of, um, certainly away fans have come off the back of two very, very, very long trips. Um, it, you know, it certainly felt like to my, to my left on Tuesday night, there were, um, it, honestly, I'm not just saying this because I said it last week, it felt like there were thousands. I could constantly hear them throughout the game in the tough times in the second half as well. Just, you know, not just when we were, we were um, winning the game and doing well in the first half, those tough moments in the second half where I thought they dragged the team through. Uh, and so, yeah, more, more of the same. The last home game here, uh, it, was, it was brilliant. We, we rewarded them with, with a really good performance and three goals, which was great. And, uh, yeah, just, just more of the same. There's nothing I can say to any of the fans um, other than we really, really appreciate your support and that it makes a, a huge difference. I'm sure they realise how much of a difference it makes and, and we do really appreciate it. Congratulations to Portsmouth there. Best of luck for the weekend. And very, very quickly, we'll take a look at the League 2 fixtures. Grew taking on Colchester United, Saturday, 3 o'clock. Doncaster Rovers have got Gillingham following their good win against Everton in the Carabao in the Papa John's Trophy midweek. Grimsby taking on Crawley. Harrogate Town taking on a difficult, albeit slightly out of sorts, Salford City. Mansfield versus Barrow. Morecambe have got Swindon Town. Newport County taking on, again, another out of sorts, Bradford City. Notts County, top of the table, against Forest Green. Stockport County versus the ever-difficult Wrexham, and a relatively local affair for two of those two teams there. Definitely will be a loud one. Sutton United versus MK Dons. Tramier Rovers have got Accrington Stanley. And finally, Walsall will take on AFC Wimbledon. So, that brings us to the end of this week's EFL preview. I certainly hope you've enjoyed it. It was great to talk so much about the Championship. I know I usually do most weeks, but, you know, it's uh, have a full, a relatively good dedication to them. We'll be back on Monday to take a look at all the fixtures that took place this week, with plenty, inevitably, plenty of goals and plenty of controversy, because that is what we expect here at the EFL Review. 
Until then, have a lovely weekend. Thank you very much for listening and goodbye.